Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, July 12th, 2021. So glad to have you be a part of the podcast. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, although we welcome all the realtors, builders, and all the others that are part of the industry to be listening. But we're so grateful to have you as our listening audience. We are committed to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. And we've got an exciting topic today in the Hot Topic segment. We've got Dr. Cindy McGovern joining us, CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting. We're going to be talking about sales and how sales is a life skill. We're talking about her recently published book, published by McGraw-Hill, Every job is a sales job. You're going to enjoy the hot topic today, folks. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to my daughter. And she just summited. That means climbed Mount Baker in Washington State. I'm looking at a picture she texted me. Did that yesterday. It is quite a feat to do that. And she works at Willowbend Mortgage. And she and her team are avid listeners to the Looking and Lending podcast. So kudos to Laura Renee Licken for summiting Mount Baker in uh, Washington State, did it yesterday. Perfect weather, perfect skies. The pictures are amazing that she got. Real, real, real proud of her and her accomplishment. So what have you accomplished? Can't wait to hear from you all. Tell us about what your family's doing. Love to share all that out there. Sorry, I couldn't do it. Couldn't resist. Proud daddy here. All right. So a special thank you goes out to industrysyndicate.com. They do a great job of bringing you a host of number of podcasts. I encourage you to go out and listen to or look at that website and look at all the other podcasts that are available out there. Also, as a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Be sure to sign up and be a part of the Mortgage Bankers of America. Yes, but also make sure you're using the Mortgage to Action Alliance application. You have your voice heard on the Hill. It's a way we can, uh, our small organization, really, mortgage bankers compare in comparison to the numbers and the size of NAR with National Real Estate, National Association of Realtors, and the builders. So we need to have our voice heard. And the way to do it is have all of us have ourselves armed with the National Mortgage Alliance app, MAW app, where you get it downloaded from your favorite Play Store. Download it, use it, have your voice heard. Also, Finasco, the Mortgage Bot Solution, does a great job of empowering you, the mortgage lender, to a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending and simplifies the borrower experience and streamlines the process. For all the mortgage lenders, we're so grateful for Finastra and their team. Again, third largest fintech company in the world. Got to check them out. They've got some pretty cool stuff doing, especially in the banks and credit union space, but they're just as powerful inside of the independent mortgage banking world. Also, Lenders One, Justin Molia. We had him on just recently, June 28th. Go listen to that interview. Very interesting, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. Tom Galuzzi, we're working on having another update with TMC, and we're grateful for their sponsorship, as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Incelerate, in the business of helping lenders close more loans. They do so with their CRM and engagement platform built for the mortgage industry by mortgage professionals. Josh Friend, who will listen to the interview we did with him on June 21st. 
was a good one. Great information. All those downloads just soaring on Josh's stuff because there's so much great practical information. He's down in Southern California. Appreciate you, Josh. Also, Knowledge Group, Ken Perry and the group there do a great job of empowering you through a wonderful learning management system, LMS. Encourage you to check out knowledgegroup.com. Also, we had last week Ben Turlink on with Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence. Check out the latest way to recruit top LOs as well as connect with the realtors. We talked about that on how to connect with the realtors using Mobility MMI. Also, one of their competitors is a sponsor of ours, and I don't see them as a competitor. It's Modex. I'm talking about a unique organization, a unique technology that complements Mobility MMI. So we use both of them, to be honest with you. And uh, we think they're both powerful. They're both affordable. So check out Modex on our website as well. I'm going to have Dale Larson uh, on the podcast soon. Also, special thank you goes to Rob, Les, Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. So without further ado, let's get over to Rob Van Rapphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, MBA submitted recommendations with respect to the GSE's policies addressing the eligibility of condominium projects that contain short-term rentals. MBA recommended greater clarity in the policies to ensure that lenders are able to more consistently understand which projects are eligible and avoid unnecessary repurchase risk. FHFA will review the public comments and determine whether any changes to the GSE's selling guides are necessary. And according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased to 3.76%. MBA estimates 1.9 million homeowners are currently in forbearance plans. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. It's encouraging to see where the forbearance numbers are going and there's getting better. There's also just a lot of great data. Again, Black Knight publishes. If you're not checking out Black Knight's data, be sure to do so also. They do a great job publishing statistics that's going on. Let's get over to Les Parker with a macro view of the markets with this week's TM Spotlight. is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. It's times like these, JC Davish again. It's times like these, he coos and coos again. The 10-year yield reached our target of 129 and then touched 125 before bouncing to 136. How can that be? It's times like these. The Fed tries to ease everyone off easy money, but with tears falling as fast as rates and economic indicators, expect Fed Chairman Powell to stop tapping the brake. As a result, watch for consolidation between 129 and 136 in the 10-year yield. But if Powell keeps signaling tampering ahead, then look for the 10-year yield to reach 110 shortly. Does anyone really want to stop the madness? It's times like these. Time and time again. These views are my own. With times like these, sign up at tmspotlight.com. Yeah, be sure to sign up for Les's, Les Parker's uh, email. I'm chuckling because of his energy. If you meet Les, he's kind of like an Eeyore. So for him to produce a spot like that is hilarious to me. Hello, this is Les Parker. I got a market update. So I've been coaching him. Is he doing an awesome job? He and Gary Canterbone do an awesome job of presenting that weekly segment each and every week. And I love the music parody. So good job, Les. 
as well as Gary. Appreciate that. Be sure to sign up at their website, tmspotlight.com, because it's kind of ours because we're partners in this, and uh, subscribe for free. And you can do so by going and putting in the word power to get that signed up. And now it's time for the mortgage rate update. What's going on in interest rates? Matt Graham is here with us, founder and CEO of MBS Live, and he has this week's market update. Matt? This is Matt Graham with the MBS Live market update. We've had a couple of interesting weeks in the bond market. Let's start with the non-farm payrolls number from two weeks ago. It came in at 850000 versus a 700 k expectation. Quite a bit stronger than expected, but bonds really just held steady and ultimately rallied by the end of the day just a little bit. That got Treasury yields nuzzled up to the 1.43 technical level. And we were sort of wondering what would happen in the following holiday shortened week. Perhaps bond markets were sort of holding back, waiting to make up their minds or to make their trades after the three-day weekend and after clearing up any uncertainty or dealing with any volatility that would be brought during the overnight sessions in Asia and Europe. True to expectations or hopes, perhaps, Tuesday saw a huge rally in bonds, taking yields well past that technical level. There was a short covering or short squeeze rally, and that occurs when traders who have short positions, those who are betting on rates moving higher, end up seeing yields low enough and are forced to buy bonds to cover their losses or prevent further losses. It's a stop-loss trade, and uh, short covering in this case contributes to rallies, and when the yield is pushed low enough, it motivates the next trader in line to cover their shorts, and that's a short squeeze because it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy or a self-sustaining momentum at that point. The rest of the week was pretty light in terms of economic data, but bonds continued to rally the next two days into even deeper positive territory on the month and week, taking them all the way down to 1.25 at the very lowest of the lows. And that's the lowest we've seen since February. What's going on here? It's pretty interesting stuff, especially during a year that uh, everybody foresaw rates moving higher. Part of it could be summertime seasonals. There is a slight bias for rates to move lower in the summer. We also are hearing things about this sort of rethink of the narrative surrounding the economy. And yeah, there's some Delta variant concerns out there and uh, some overseas concerns, but I'm not sure that is a primary uh, market moving force just yet. More interesting, more relevant, very likely, is the Fed and what they've communicated about their timing. They've explicitly said they can't really make a decision about tapering until the fall. They want to see what the economic data looks like after kids are going back to school and see if that motivates more parents to return to work who might not necessarily need to, but who are planning on it in the future. A really cloudy waters in terms of getting a read on what the labor market's going to do. And the NFP report from two weeks ago wasn't enough, I guess, to suggest that things are going to be in a place where the Fed is going to be extremely eager to stop buying bonds. We know they're going to, but we just don't know when. Neither do they. They're waiting to see the data. So between now and then, what do you do? Well, if you think that data is ultimately going to push rates higher, might be a good time to not push rates higher right now. You'll have a better entry point if you're a bond buyer, and you also might capitalize on an advantageous trade in the event that you're wrong. So in other words, you'll win in the short term if you're wrong, 
because you're buying bonds before the price continues to move higher and then you'll make money on that trade and you win in the longer term if you're right because you are pushing prices higher and yields lower which can set you up for a better selling opportunity if that's what you're trying to do in the future. Of course, there's no guarantee that you're going to win that long-term game if the short-term game goes against you, but you would be working your strategy in the long-term and hopefully it would pan out for you. But the rest of us are hoping that rates go lower, not higher. Unless we're hoping for the economy and COVID to be really great, in which case rates probably are going to have a hard time going lower. Anyway, what is the bond market worried about or what was it worried about coming into the new week? We're already seeing evidence of some of that and it had to do with a condensed treasury auction cycle. So we normally get treasury auctions on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. This week we have it on Monday and Tuesday. Very condensed. Three and 10 year auctions on Monday and then a 30 year bond auction on Tuesday also on Tuesday, we have CPI data, inflation report, and it is expected to come in at 4.0 in terms of the core annual number. It will be a very high reading. And every update on inflation is potentially relevant at this point with the bond market sorting out how much inflation is temporary and how much is embedded. I do think there's a bit of asymmetric risk, however, because the bond market has shown a willingness to sort of overlook spikes in inflation in the short term. That means if inflation falls short of expectations, there's a bit of a positive asymmetric risk, meaning you probably come out ahead in terms of taking risks in the bond market. Or let's just put it more simply, I think rates are already positioned for high inflation. So if it comes in lower, then we stand the chance to benefit from that. That said, there's definitely a number somewhere over 4.0 that would spook the bond market. Nobody knows exactly what that is, but it is a possibility. If that's combined with weaker auction results, then we could be looking at 1.25% in 10-year yields in terms of a intermediate floor, something that motivates sellers to get involved right now, just based on the belief that that's too low for bond yields right now. I'm not saying that that's my forecast, but it is a possibility. In the rest of the week, mostly tame economic data with the exception of Philly Fed on Thursday and retail sales on Friday. That adds a little bit of meat to the calendar. Retail sales is expected to fall again. Not as bad as the 1.3 decline last month, but uh, 0.4% is the expectation for the decline this month. So if that comes in weaker than expected, then that will add to this narrative of economy that has gotten through its initial post-COVID euphoric bounce and might be overestimated in the eyes of those who are expecting rates to move higher. That'll do it for this week. Be back with you guys next week. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it again. Be sure to sign up for mbslive.net. And if you use the LOL codes, you get an extended trial period and no credit card is required. Alice Alvey, CMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And she's got this week's legislative update. So, Alice, what do you have for us? All right. So for my update, it is the summer break. And so not a lot of new stuff going on. I thought I'd take a couple of minutes to just do a quick recap of a couple of things that we're watching. HUD did propose to restore the 2013 discriminatory effects standard known in the industry as the disparate impact rule. So this is out for uh, comment right now. So it's just really a notice of proposed rulemaking. This is our first chance to make sure that we get in there and respond. 
So we've got now a little over 60 days to be able to respond to that. I think we've got till August 24th is the date that I wrote down. So definitely watching as an industry to make sure that we get the right balance here. Certainly, we all want to make sure we understand what would be unfair lending practices, but some of the things within the old disparate impact rule back in 2013 were the challenges of really understanding when did we violate the rule and when we didn't. So I think taking a good hard look at that, again, is important. Also, I think from a legislative standpoint, so there is a Senate bill, I think, believe it's 1635, that is due to help us give some kind of federal standard for remote online notarization. Now, I know there are multiple services that you, there's IPEN and other ways to be able to execute on that, but the concept is a very important initiative for all of us so that we can have some standardization across the country. And then last but not least, I would like everyone to, as you heard Rob Van Ratpost report, there has been a slight drop of borrowers in forbearance, but we still have the wave coming this fall is when all these borrowers are going to be coming out of forbearance. So back in May, the CFPB did publish that report, the characteristics of mortgage borrowers during the COVID-19 pandemic. We really need to understand our data, our borrowers who are in forbearance. This report gave some insights Obviously, you need to take a look at your own data, but it gave some Mm -hmm. guidance on things to look at so that we can all be prepared to make sure that customers really do get some service during that time. So I think it's 1.9 is still pretty close to 2 million. It is still a lot of borrowers. I don't want us to be fooled by headlines that say it's declining because there's still a lot of work to prepare for this and now so we're ready when that time hits. So that's my two cents, Dave. Back to you. More than two cents. A lot of information there. Alice, thank you so much. And uh, looking forward to having you participate in the Hot Topics segment, especially when Dr. Cindy's book is really designed at so many of the operational people you've worked with over your long, long, long career. I won't get into how many years it's been. But anyway, it's been a long time. But anyway, I'm looking forward to having you participate in the interview with Dr. Cindy. Thanks, Alice, for a great legislative update. Alan Pollack, you are here. Oh, absolutely. Great to be here. I actually had two weeks off did some traveling. That is just amazing about your daughter. I'm excited to see some pictures. Yeah, can't wait. So fun. Yeah, very cool. God, so there is just so much stuff going on. I'm going to focus today on innovation because something personal has happened to me that I want to share. Very exciting news. You probably know about it, David, and uh, Les Parker as well. But, but first, let's start. We're going to talk today a little bit innovation, impact to sales and revenue, development, priorities. But before we do that, I always bring up something weird, David, right? So I've got to start with something strange. (laughs) So Nerdist, which is a great site if you're looking to kill time. So the word nerd and it's it's called Weird Internet. And they've got a Jenga playing dog who they're calling Canine Genius. And there's a picture, a little video, the dog actually can pull pieces out of a Jenga without it collapsing, which I thought is just absolutely amazing as uh, between Zoom calls and waiting for the program to start. So check it out. You know, every once in a while, your brain just needs to break free and you you need something to laugh and things that make you go. "Hmm." I hate TikTok for that reason. I hate it because I find myself, I watch a couple of these, it's just a little mental break. And all of a sudden you go like, how did I spend seven, 10 minutes watching that stupid it's addictive. Oh, yeah, that stuff always happens. It's great. So get this, David. There is a company out there, Accept.inc, I-N-C. They secured $90 million in debt and equity to scale their digital mortgage platform. Uh-huh. It's a great article. It's at TechCrunch. What it really talks about is there's all these startups out there helping people make all-cash offers on their homes. 
And they're out of Denver, and they create a new category in real estate technology, and they're looking to really scale. So they had $78 million in debt and $12 million in equity. That's a big debt number. They call them Highlander. Yeah, technology-enabled lender. You may want to check that out. And you remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that every company is a tech company nowadays, right? And even if you're a lender, you're a tech company. And we'll talk about that in a moment. So they're a technology-enabled lender is what they're calling themselves. So let's move on to some really good news. Uh, if you remember two weeks or so ago, I mentioned that Cloud Verga was acquired by Stewart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stewart's done a number of acquisitions. We've talked about a couple times this year, Citus AMC has done a number of acquisitions. Yeah. There's many of these going on. Well, finally, David, I'm proud to be able to announce that Loan Logics has completed their acquisition. For those of you that don't know, David has yeah. consulted quite a bit with Loan Logics. Yeah. I was a co founder of Nylex and Loan Logic. Wes Parker was. Mm-hmm on our executive management team. It's 20 years in the making, lots of napkins, lots of arguments, lots of shoveling horse manure, the way that everything you've seen online, if you've seen the show Silicon Valley, many of those experiences we lived through. And so it's just an absolutely great feeling for the management team that that loan logic today, the fact that they've made this accomplishment and and also to everyone that's been a part of it. So they were acquired by Sun Capital Partners, actually an affiliate of Sun Capital Partners. Loan Logics is now their second tech investment since formalizing this new tech vertical that they have. They're planning to continue and do more. So David, you've said there's a whole bunch of PE things going on quite a bit. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of them that I just mentioned. And they're going to draw on deep operational experience to accelerate growth. So I would expect the hundreds of years of combined knowledge that they have with all of the doc automation and the audit management and the correspondent lending platforms that they have, all the different things they do, all of that knowledge, I think Sun Capital is going to really leverage that and they're going to do some great things. So look out for uh, Loan Logics. I, I don't think there's anything more than growth for that company at this point. So that's really cool. Yeah, super, super exciting. Congratulations. And uh, way to go for Sun Capital. They made a great acquisition. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Finlocker, they're having their 2.0 app reveal. Check it out. LinkedIn, Facebook, they're pretty active on social media, so you go check out Finlocker. David, three weeks ago, I was at the NBA Florida Conference live in Orlando with real people. It was absolutely fantastic. I was on a panel about disrupting lending and technology with some great people. Camelia and Amy from SnapDocs, God, you mentioned that how fun they were. They were everything you said. Yeah, it was great being able to, to spend time with them. Brent and his amazing team at Form Free, and I say amazing because this was a small, intimate conference. If you're not part of a Florida NBA, there's not a lot of people that are part of it. There's just the right amount. You want to be a part of it. Everything is a small, intimate setting, which is really allows people to get together and talk and discuss. Also, Tim from Iberia Bank was there, and Jim Deitch from Terra Verde. He was the moderator. Just a great panel, David. We talked about doing the panel after the panel, so I think we're going to record a little tech segment with all That's those good. folks and just talk about disruption of tech. There was a lot of the lender's point of view that Tim from Iberia Bank brought in, and we'll continue down that path. I also want to bring up, David, innovation, right? How do you innovate with so many vendors? How do you keep on top of everything that needs to be done? We can talk more about that get deeper in it next week, but I wanted to bring up – somebody emailed me. I brought up the Moscow method two, three weeks ago. Yeah. And earlier today, I said, we're going to talk a little bit about using data, impact to sales and revenue. When you're looking to innovate and you're a lender, not a vendor, 
how do you innovate? How do you continue to maintain that compatibility with what all of your audience, your borrowers are ultimately looking for? And remember the Moscow method. I'm just going to mention what they are for the person that had asked me specifically. You can Google it. It's M-O-S-C-O-W. It's a prioritization and alignment method that's extremely simple. You basically take all the things that you need across all your different vendors or your own strategic tech initiatives, and you put them in a spreadsheet and you make a column, and the column is going to be either must have, should have, could have, and won't have. And you'd be very surprised how little that must have bucket becomes and how big the should have bucket is and how big the could have bucket is. The won't haves are hard to get to. People always argue, of course, we want to have it. It's not that we won't have it. But check it out. You can Google it. It's extremely important when looking at a simple way to try and align what needs to be done. And we'll talk more next week about actually innovating and what some people are doing, how they track socialization of enhancement requests and going down that path. Otherwise, looking forward to the hot topic today. Yes, very much so. Very, very good. Appreciate it, Alan. If you want to get a hold of Alan, be sure to email him at alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com. Yes, what's so special when you're saying kudos to my daughter is you having daughters, how proud you are of your daughter's many accomplishments. They compete. And it's just a proud thing. So you and I share that joy together. It is. Congratulations. Thank you. I can sleep now because Lone Logic's the 20 year yeah. wait is over. So, yeah, yeah. I know it. I mean, how many times have you guys wondered if that investment of in time and money would ever pay off? It speaks to tenacity. Let's know Howard Cognac. He has sold his house, closed on the sale of a company, and moved his son to college all within the same three days and is now retired in South Florida. And oh, I think he'll be true. back in a couple of days. I don't know how long retirement will last. Oh, I can't wait. Howard is a character. Oh, Howard, 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 Howard. So many great Howard stories. Anyway, thank you so much. Alan, appreciate it so much being here each and every week. So that concludes our weekly update. Listeners, that wraps up the Hot Topics segment. Be sure to come back here next week. we got Will Robinson and Brandon Young of Encaptured joining us. And a very interesting interview we're going to be having with them. This is something that just, you might say, captured my attention or encaptured my attention. What are we talking about? So you'll enjoy the interview that we'll be doing next week. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, CMLA, the Lenders One Group, as well as Accelerate Mobility, MMI, Modex, as well as MBA, Knowledge Coop, and the Mortgage Collaborative. Folks, thank you so much for being here. Share this podcast with others. And oh, by the way, have you thought of someone lately you could share this podcast with? Do so. See, we're a learning organization, a learning podcast. We practice what we hear on the podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to have you back here next week. <laughs> You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.